Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. Joining me now for The Upcoming's first episode, he's a native of Harlem and an alum of School of Gramercy Arts in Manhattan and SUNY Purchase College, so it's safe to say art is kind of his thing. He's a director and screenwriter, having just released his newest film, So A Little Tenderness, and I am excited to talk about it now. Introducing to you now a profound artist who I am honored to be speaking with, Ezekiel Clare. That was an incredible introduction. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. So it's good to have you. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm in the, that mode of change. Would have been nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. All the changes always good thing to have, especially when you're going through. Yeah, yeah. So, sure. so, so yeah, I've, I've got so many questions I want to ask you, but I'll just start with this one. So, Zeke, for people who don't know, give us a brief summary about yourself, just in your own words. Who, who, and what exactly are you? Who, <laughs> he, well. Uh, I'm Ezekiel, and I am from Harlem, from New York, born and raised, uh, about to be 23 years old, which is weird. I'm a Gemini for all the Zodiac people out there. Nice. Um, and I don't know, I guess I, I kind of just, like, not to be like, I hate labels and stuff like that, but I guess I have a hard time labeling myself, so I kind of just like go with just like, I'm an artist. Because that word feels all encompassing, so I kind of just try to like use that um, as just like that's who I am. That's what I am. Um, I don't know because it's weird because I, I think about that a lot, like who I am, what I am. So I kind of don't really know outside of just like I am my experiences. You know what I mean? Because um, I don't feel comfortable um, truly attaching myself to like any sort of. So artist is the only thing you want to be known. Yeah, artist. Uh, yeah, I think so. And of course, you know, human being too. You're just like your your own person. You got your own like dreams and stuff. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm. I like. Right. So it's like that's why it's like I'm my I'm the experiences that allowed me that led up to to me being like on this podcast and and, and talking to you and stuff like that. Because like tomorrow I could just be so different. You know what I mean? Which is Kind of scary, but it's also like, no, it's whatever. It can't be scary, definitely. Yeah. So, now that it's funny you actually, it's funny that you bring up stereotypes because you said, you know, in your, in your video with uh, Fellowship Initiative, JP Morgan Chase, that you did hate stereotypes and the only label you want to be is an artist. So, Zeke, have you ever felt like that title of artist was like challenged or refuted? And if so, how did you fight back? It's a good question. I guess I feel that all, oh, I feel like that all the time up until, I don't know, kind of just recently, as in like recently as I just graduated. Um, because like, I don't know, growing up, I've always just been like, like red bunches and just like always trying to just make stuff and just like, um, I don't know, it's hard for me to concentrate on like school and, and I guess the things that you're supposed to concentrate as a child and stuff like that. Um, but I was always interested in just like art and just like, I don't know, I guess expressing yourself. Um, and so it's always just been a challenge to label myself as that because like in the world society that we live in, it's like you have to be whatever you're told to be um, or you have to be what you are at face value, which is like, like I'm a black male um, and face value, I'm a black male. Like, um, if you were to break it down, like, more, it's, like, I'm more complex than that. And then to the point to where it's, like, it even, to where, like, what does it even mean to be, like, a black man? It's, like, 
is that really what I am and stuff like that. Um, which is just something that I'm just like, I don't know. I don't have a, <laughs> a confirmation on. But I guess, like, I don't know. It's just been challenging just in general to to express um, ideas and not necessarily new ways of thinking. Because I don't want to say that. Like, I think in a, a new type of way. But I guess just, like, the the approach of trying to think differently and think new has always been like hard, I guess. Um, and it's always been difficult to try to explain what's happening like in my head and like how I see the world and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That wasn't really specific, but I guess it's just like, it's generally like my conflict in general. So it's always challenging. So I haven't really gotten over that. Um, but since graduating, it has been easier to feel like an artist and to feel like I am treated as an artist and that people like respect me as an artist and like just meeting like more professionals and stuff like that like older artists and stuff like that and like talking to them and like I guess kind of having them like validate you is like really nice because it's like they've been doing it for so long and like they fought all these battles and stuff like that um and so it's nice to have like it's nice to just talk to older people who, older artists who kind of have like the same conflict that like I have. So it's like, it's nice. Wow. It's good. You know, validation does always, you know, really help a lot, especially when you're getting down to yourself. Right. Exactly. And it's like, I guess it's, it's easy to be like validation is bad. I don't think it's like we're social creatures. So it's like, yeah, we need like, yeah. The key to like human happiness, they say, is like social interaction. Exactly. Right. We need, like, we just need it, which is fine. And it's like, you could have healthy validation, you could have, like, unhealthy validation, which I guess is just kind of just, like, respect. Going off script for a second, uh, is there any moments where you just felt like, I absolutely need solitude, like, I cannot be around, like, anybody right now? Yeah, I do. I, this, I feel, like, I go through, like, a very um, wide range of emotions, like, throughout the day. And, like, and, like like, I can't explain it, but I just have, like, ups and downs, like, really frequently um, throughout the day, like, throughout the hour and stuff like that. So sometimes I'll have, like, moments where I'm, like, I really just, like, cannot. Like, if I'm, like, like, for example, in my class or, like, I'm at a gig or, like, um, I don't know if I'm just, like, hanging out and, like, so much time has passed. And, like, I feel really just, like, anxious or really just, like, restless to where it's, like, I just want to do something else. Because now, like, my whole, like, emotions like my whole like um thoughts and stuff just feel so drastically different that's like i need different stimulation um at the moment so yeah so a lot of time i do find myself like really needing like solitude um which doesn't necessarily mean that i have to be in like my room alone um but just like even just like kind of just like sitting in silence with someone is just like enough or like um taking moments <laughs> in the bathroom to just like kind of just like debrief myself and kind of just like take a breath and everything and just going on walks and stuff like that because um, yeah. it because being able to like slow down is just like really important which i didn't really realize till uh, like the last year like until quarantine it's just crazy changed my whole life changed a lot of people's lives honestly yeah which is so like that's so weird to like to, to live in a time to really really live most of your life before that and then have that change like kind of it's weird so would you say that was like the change you needed right there i think so yeah because right before quarantine i was having like a life crisis and just like it was crazy like it was like one of like the worst times of my life and stuff like that and so i was already like battling like doing like the work that um being isolated like would do and so when the pandemic happened it kind of just like helped me like really do that focusing on that um but then they kind of like then it became like so long and it just became like lonely and everything like that so it's like i was just having like cycles of just like i guess refining myself which i think a lot of people have it must be it must have been a really like confusing time honestly. yeah <laughs> yeah it was really confusing and i was at purchase for like the whole time so it was like really weird to um to experience that specifically after just with like the environment and like how nature and just being in a place that is usually populated and like now it's like there was no one there um, so yeah it was it was it was strange but it was it was 
secretly like a blessing for us. I see. I'm happy to hear that, Zeke. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so let's just uh, talk about your movie. Mm-hmm. Solo Tennis just got released uh, last week. It's true. Yeah, so Solo Tennis, it is a powerful film. It is powerful. Please, uh, for those who don't know, tell us what drove you to make it. Um, many things drove me to make it, but I guess, like, I was have like I've always had a hard time at versus and specifically the film program. Um, and so with the pandemic and like the last semester and just like the anxiety of graduating and like again like coming off of the coming off the um the isolation of quarantine and everything like that was just like a lot and I was dealing with like a lot of family stuff and just like just life problems in general and so like on top of that um I on, on top of that was I was just also just dealing with like the institution and like being alone a lot of the time and just like I found myself just asking um like what am I like again like the questions you asked me earlier like what am I who am I um what do I identify with like what does it mean to me here at Purchase, because I also fell in love with Purchase, like, even more, I haven't been here alone, and stuff like that, and so I, I guess I felt that I needed to write, like, a love letter to, to Purchase, and, like, write a love letter to my experience and stuff like that, and so, like, I um, started just writing, like, um, this movie about um, someone who, <laughs> someone who's, like, just dealing with, like, their identity and, like, and and just like their identity and just how like it how that like merges and like they were dealing with like headaches because I was dealing with a lot of bad migraines um, during my last semester like I was on pills and everything like that to like fight them so bad and so like that kind of was just like what the film was about um, but but then it was like an actual layer of like of gender because I know I mean like I don't know it's just something I just also like deal with and everything like that and like specifically at that time um, I was just like. I guess I didn't feel that comfortable in my body. And so, so with that and like around like January, February, um, the program's giving me like a hard time to like make the initial movie that I wanted to make, um, which would have just been me and like uh, one other friend, like I shot it and everything, would have been like super contained. Um, I guess I felt, <laughs> I don't know, like I get, in, I get in a mode that if I, like, if something is stopping me from doing something, then it it kind of helps me, like, do <laughs> it more. Um, I guess naturally, like, I don't, I don't know why I'm like that, but I just naturally feel the need to just fight all the time. And so, so low tenderness was kind of, like, my response to, like, the abuse I felt from um, institutions in general, like, not even just purchase, just, like, all of being in school. Um, and just talking to friends and like how they felt and stuff like that and then just like how society is just like ran and everything like that so it kind of just became an allegory for um, how I felt and just how like what it means to be um, I don't know just what it means to be a person in the institution and specifically a black person in the institution and specifically that like a queer artist in the institution and even more specifically than that someone who like doesn't who's having a hard time identifying with um, their their uh, their gender role and stuff like that and so yeah so that's how solo tennis was kind of like manifested because it was originally supposed to star um, Siobhan like I wrote it for um, for her and stuff like that Um, and just because like scheduling and just like life and stuff like that had to like switch the roles, um, and so the 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 movie kind of came about. Like I found myself like really um, examining like gender more than like anything else, uh, like initially, and then it became about race because the main character um, became like uh, like a black character as opposed to like, a white woman. Um, and so the, that like, the differences in the similarities 
kids became really interesting in me, and then I started like, rewriting it with that perspective. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm so I'm so bad at explaining my movies and stuff. Like uh, that. But if you have like a specific question, uh, it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, it makes sense. But you know, the thing about it is, we both since we both know, you know, artist objectives. While you see it as like a little bit of purchase, some others might see it as like you know, kind of a middle finger to purchase. You know, mm-hmm. uh, how would you respond when people try to like say like you know he's taking a dump on purchase? He's saying like this place is like a, an insane asylum. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> that's why I think it is an insane asylum to be honest. Which doesn't mean it's it's bad. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't believe in people being crazy, um, like, and I, I feel like this in itself is kind of problematic, but I guess it's like, I, like, if I was to see someone in the same asylum, I wouldn't judge them or whatever, like, I wouldn't be like, they're crazy or that they're a bad person, and so, like, being at purchase specifically, where you have a lot of artists, a lot of people doing drugs, a lot of people, um, growing and, and experimenting with life and, like, having just existential crisis, like, it comes to a point that like what makes us that different from someone who's in like in the same asylum or someone who is dealing with um mental illness and stuff like that like a lot of people that are mentally ill um friends and family like people go here um i'm not diagnosed but like i don't know (laughs) there's there's something and so it's just like i guess i would I, i guess i would find it interesting for someone to think that I'm dumping on purchase. I mean, I guess I had had people tell me that, but I, I guess it's, it's more like, it's not like dumping on purchase, but more showing like just what it is, which is like the people are great, um, which is like was represented through Logan and Sage and Harmony and just like how like their, um, the way they communicated and stuff like that um, feels like purchase, feels positive. Um, but with the director, um, kind of represents like the leadership and the the government of purchase. And so, like, I, I, guess, I guess, like, for me, is like my problem is more with the people that run purchase with the government of purchase as opposed to the community and the environment of purchase, which I love. And purchase as its as its own living thing is incredible, but purchase as its as a as a system for education is not. As great as it could be, which is also not the fall of purchase, but like the greater whole of society and stuff like that. So it's kind of just like, so it's like the school could have been, it could have been any school, I guess. Um, but I think the heart of Salt wouldn't have been there if I went to another school. I see. Thank you for clearing that up for me. Yeah, I see you. So moving on, there's a. There's honestly a lot of what I like to call surrealism and a lot of you know, underlying tones in this movie, uh, especially when the characters Logan and Sage are together or even when they're giving their own uh, monologue. So how do you see such traits contributing to your films, underlying tones and surrealism? Um, I think, well, the surrealism definitely comes from, like it doesn't come, well, I don't know, life has always been kind of like strange to me. Like, well, life is, I think life is objectively grand and incredible. Um, like, like movies are just like so large in itself. And I feel like a good movie captures the grandioseness of life. So it's like life is like just weirdly so epic and, and, and in such a, in such a story <laughs> way. Um, Cause we all have like stories and stuff like that. And so like, it's, 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 kind of incredible and scary to see um, to see and like experience like coincidences um, and just like putting things together from the past and like to like the future Um, and so with surrealism like it was also I was also just heavily influenced by just like drugs and like LSD (laughs) so like right before um, quarantine happened when I was just like dealing with a lot of stuff. I was just like tripping up a lot. Like, my whole junior year, I was just like, um, like every 
week every other week, I was just like tripping on like just like LSD and stuff like that. Like I was just like high and like drunk all the time and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah, so weird to <laughs> to say out loud and something I'm like still processed. Uh, but I, I like uh, it's fine because I like believe in the, the honesty of, of of it. Like I feel like it's not something that I guess it's like I don't want to. I guess I don't want people like to feel worried or like be like, "Wow, it's so crazy." Because at the same time, it's like it's not that crazy. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. So, so the movie was kind of the surrealism in the movie was kind of inspired by um, acid and stuff like that, but like not necessarily the visuals of acid, but more so the thought process that I have when I'm on LSD and stuff like that, and like how. It's just like how the world like feels, um, and so, and the world just feels like surreal on LSD, and after, and like having done it like so many times, like there was just a moment where like I took a break, but I couldn't, um, I couldn't separate myself from from it in the world. You know what I mean? Um, where it just kind of like it felt like I was still tripping even when I wasn't, and so like that kind of like played a huge role in how I just perceive the world and like how um, I see color and like light and stuff like that. And so that was something I wanted to capture uh, with salt. Um, but with the underlining tones, like what specific, like do you, like what specifically do you mean with underlining tones? What underlying tones did you pick up? Even, even in the moments where let's say Sage and Dante are just chilling and everything, I mean, when they're like smiling, laughing, I sense like there's just like a lot of like pain or regret, and there's something they're hiding in there. Mm-hmm. Even when the moments where John is, um, sorry, uh, Logan is like speaking with the director, mm-hmm. and he's hiding in a lot of there's a lot of about him we don't know about, mm-hmm. and in that sense, there seems to be like an inner like, repressed like sense of rage and sense of like sadness and you know that we don't really ever fully see stretched out, but yet we know it's there. Mm. Wow. No, it's so true. Wow. I'm so right now. It's, it's so interesting just, like, hearing people talk about your work and stuff like that. Because for me, it's like, I don't... Like, I let my subconscious, like, run rampant when I write a script, but I, so I don't really know what it is that I'm giving out till after... The, until retrospect. So, like, when I watch the movie again, or, like, when I read the script again, I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't really realize that this is what I was, like, giving. And so, um, so that wasn't, like, necessarily on purpose, but I think it was just inherent with, um, just how I am, and just, like, how I perceive myself, and, like, how I perceive my, my characters and stuff like that. And so, like, I would agree, like, there is a underlining, like, there's just a sadness and there's just a pain with um, all the characters, especially um, Logan. And uh, I like the idea of not knowing about the character because I feel like that shouldn't necessarily matter because when you meet people, you don't really know them. Um, and you could like know, you could have a friend you can know someone like a colleague for so long and not still know what happened, not know who they, they were before you met them. And so, like, that as a concept is, like, really interesting. And I, like, I guess I like to, like, stretch that idea of, like, having empathy. Because I, I, I know, like, a lot of critiques that I get from the film program from my professors. And when I got for this film is that they couldn't empathize with the main character. Um, and I got this critique, like, a bunch of times before. And so I just think that's just always interesting that um, it, it takes, like, a whole backstory for people to empathize, empathize with a character. Um, so, that was just a random tangent. But, like, I guess, like, for me, I guess I just... I don't know. I, I, I guess it's, like... I don't know. I think... I guess I, I feel like it would be ignorant to say that we don't all And I feel like there were people who deny that, but I think I'm just gonna throw it out there. And I would, <laughs> I would argue that th- that they aren't going deeper. You know what I mean? Because like even if there's just so much pain and sadness in the world that it's like, how could you not yourself 
feel that way. Um, but there's always, but there's always a reason that um, we go on, like we move forward and stuff like that. So that's what I also try to capture in my film, especially with, with Salt, because even though they're in, he was suicidal and he's in an institution, and, like he's fighting all these things and stuff like that. The uh, Logan and Sage still find some sort of peace and some some sort of commonality and, and and friendship through that pain and suffering, which I just think is like I don't know, just makes the friendship all the more beautiful. Right, exactly, all the more beautiful and all like the more complex because you don't really know what the real truth is throughout the movie, which I kind of like. <laughs> of, of if he killed, the, of if they like killed the dad and stuff like that, um, but then. Sage kind of like believes that, like she kind of does, but like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's perfect. It's like a friendship to me is kind of like like a butterfly flying through a battlefield right now, mm-hmm. like war torn battlefield, and it's just throughout all that, like the butterfly is like the first thing you catch a glimpse of, and you just can't help stare at it. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's just honestly amazing to me. Um, so I remember I previously asked about. Uh, Logan's um, surname, Kaliah, because mm-hmm. yeah, Sage mentioned an interesting title called Kaliah the Misguided. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, please, like, tell us more about this little hidden figure, because I never heard of that, Kaliah mm-hmm. the Misguided. Um, that's what I, yeah, because, like, literally me either, till, so pretty much I, like, I don't know, not, like, everything's, like, assembled, you know what I mean? And so... If I'm creating a world, then it's like I want the names to also symbolize something. And so, like with Kalaya, like I wanted, I was looking, I just did like Google searches and like looked up like words that like kind of represented like angst or like misguidedness or just like longing or searching and just pain and stuff like that. And Kalaya was one of the names, which I forgot what the origin is. Um, and so I never heard that name before, but it sounded. Like, I just like how it sounds, and it sounds, like, so biblical, and it sounds, like, so, so, kind of, like, isolated in itself, and so, yeah, so that's why I named that, and, like, the same with, like, Sage, which is just kind of just, like, you know, like, his peace, and just, like, you know, like, just, like, what Sage itself, like, just represents as, as a thing that is, like, used for cleansing and stuff like that, and so, that's... Kind of what happened. So pretty much, I just wanted the characters. I just wanted their names to represent who they are. Um, the same with like Harmony and stuff like that, and like how she kind of like brought everything together um, at the end, um, and she was like the secret like piece this whole time. Um, yeah. So yeah, so so yeah, I just kind of just like went through a bunch of names on Google and stuff like that, and just like wrote. Um, like with like the script that was before this one for the first one that I didn't get a chance to make. Um, instead of like having the names be like meaning something, I kind of wanted the names to be like it was about relationships and stuff like that, and I wanted the names to be to to feel gender neutral, and I didn't want to attach um, a masculine or feminine quality to the characters and the names and see like what that means. It's like kind of so like after writing masculine, it was kind of the same process with solo tennis because it's still like my goal was that if you. That if I was to make a version where Shawan and Dante switch characters, that it would still be the same movie, but it would still, like, it would read the same, but it would, no, it would feel the same, but it would read differently, I think. But, yeah. I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I was going to, so I was figuring, like, Goliath, it did, like, just sound like, like a biblical name right there. Mm-hmm. This is so interesting, yeah. and I have a bit of biblical name, which is like yeah, so. So Ezekiel, you're a book of the Bible, right? And this is and this is one of those things that's so weird, like that I don't think about that frequently. But like growing up, like it's all like old people and people always have to just like tell me that my name is in the Bible, and so I guess this is something that like I never read the Bible. But my my family, like my mom, believes in God, but she's not like a Christian, and like we don't go to church and stuff like that. So I don't really have necessarily a religious background but like just going throughout the world and people always needing to tell me what my name means and stuff like that i think like subconsciously like has shown itself in this film i think like a lot of my films are like about me i guess and like about um the self and everything but i think this is like my most like 
self-aware and more most like complex film in terms of character, um, which uh, I guess is something I'm like, really proud of. It's something I'm still like deconstructing because every time I watch it, I'm like, I learn something new about myself, which is which is always fun. But yeah, it's nice, nice. So I've got to ask: when you casted uh, Dante Crenshaw as your as the lead, uh, what was something about him during filming that genuinely impressed you? <laughs> hmm. Something that Dante never impressed me. No, that's not true. <laughs> um. I guess, I don't know, something that just impresses me, like, just in general, is just energy and, like, people taking the time to understand, I guess, just me. Like, that's where I'm just always looking for, is just, like, being understood. Um, Because I I think I try to go out of my way to just understand anyone I come across. And so... With Dante, like even having like worked with him before, um, was something like in To Live in Pink, which is also like kind of the same movie I saw, but like different. Um, I worked with him, like I found that um, he he he's very easy and open to bounce ideas with, which I really appreciate because as much as like I know what I want like all the time, I'm still. Within that, I'm still open to discovery and like open to like following something new. And um, he's always just like open to finding something that we didn't know was there, like on set and stuff like that. And the same with like same with everyone, um, really. Um, and that's why I love working with like Siobhan too, because she's always just down to follow um, her curiosity and like my curiosity. Um, and so, like, the three of us, like, I, 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 I like working with us as a, as a group because, because of that reason. Let's see. All right, cool. So, here's uh, an interesting part. So, the film, there's a lot of instances, like, most instances where the film lacks, you know, background music. There's not a lot of background music. It's just kind of silence right there. And... In a field where music adds to the emotion and intensity of the scenes, uh, how do you see a lack of music working to a director's advantage? Mm-hmm. I think I think it goes back to just like like what it like what it means to like what it means to like make a movie. What it means to like be in a movie, like what it means to like watch a movie, um, and so like I'm really interested in just like the overall like experience of that that process, and, like what it means to just like watch an image in a video, especially now everything's like so different in terms of just like you could like they could, this video is of so many things and like, they're shot so differently and like everything just looks so different all the time. Um, yet we still like take it in and it's like whatever, and so with the lack of music, I think, I guess it's, because, because I, like, it was, there was going to be music, um, and I just, like, I personally, like, just messed up with, like, the production of that, but at the same time, I guess it's, like, I didn't feel that it necessarily needed it, which was weird, because I do like music, I like music, like, I love scores and stuff like that, but the film reads so like the silence, I guess, is just loud enough, and like the the silence doesn't feel like silence, but it feels like like it just feels like thoughts. Because I feel like when there's silence in the film, then you kind of you as the the viewer like you're just kind of just hearing like your own thoughts after just having like taking in like a whole scene or a moment of like dialogue and stuff like that. And so like, I just think like I think it's interesting to 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 follow that kind of like procedure of movie making and just like what it means to be in silence and like what it means to be in silence with a character and like what it means to um I don't know, like just what it means to just think with a character, I guess. Um and so like I think like the the, the silence in this film does that and something I didn't 
wasn't on purpose until like I edited it all together. I'm just like wow because I, I write all my scripts with the soundtrack, um, like with like music that I couldn't get rights to. Like the, like I wrote the script with like Honest Mouse, like Saint Vincent, um, the Beatles, Portishead, uh, and everything. Which which like like a song literally gave me the title. It was Glory Box by Portishead, um, and she literally says solo tenderness. And I was and I can't use the song obviously because of rights. But like that song really structured a lot of um, the the gender influence of of the film, like the underlining um, uh, gender. The like just like the gender aspects of of the film and stuff like that. And so the music influenced music influenced the film, but I did find it more. To not have much music in there, but then when there, but when the times with our music, it feels more impactful. Yeah, and I know it's also like music comes when the moments to the like the most joyous moments, mm-hmm. especially towards the ending or like when there's you know playing around going on and fun actually happening. That's where the music comes in, and that kind of builds on the joy and sort of excitement that the characters feel. That's so true. See, I didn't really even realize that until you just told me. That's crazy. That is really, that is really so true. But there's also, I guess, and then there's like the, the music at like the score at the end. But like, I mean, not that, not that. Oh well, at the end, but also the beginning, um, which is still the same score. Which I think, I think is in C minor, or it's like C major or something. Like it, it feels, it has a bittersweetness quality of like it feels. Joyous, but also feels a bit like melancholy and sad. Um, so it's like interesting because the song at the end is the same song that's at the beginning, but it does read and feel so differently. Um, so that's really, that's really interesting. Oh, I don't know about that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, so stepping outside the film for a minute, uh, in his book, Story, Robert McKee has said that limitation is vital. Uh, the first step towards a well-told sto- towards a well-told story is a small, knowable world. When you build your worlds, do you have a particular scale, or do you prefer to let it vary? What, like, what do you mean? Exactly? Think about it like so: you have like in, in solo tenderness, the world was particularly small. There's only a few rooms we're in. And we rarely get to see the outside that much. So it, the world feels particularly small. It feels like sort of like almost familiar. Like it's easy to get around. But in, do you like, do you like to keep it that way to help, like help it build onto the characters or do you want, or do you, would you see yourself make the world bigger and opening like, like more room for the characters to explore it lost? It's- so, that's so funny. Okay, I understand that. Because I do think about this very often. And, obviously, my films are very... They're kind of... They're made because of limitations. Like, just of, like, money and just, like, circumstance and just, like... Just all the all the things. So, it's like... But if you had the budget... But if I had the budget, it's so great. Which I think about a lot of things. My favorite director is Christian Nolan. Um, and, like, so his movies are, like, literally happy. Like, they're so big and everything like that. Um, but I don't want to necessarily make movies uh, like that because uh, also like my other few favorite directors like Paul Spontanus and like Wes, Wes Anderson and like they kind of like there's still like a greater world but it still is a bit more contained and intimate than uh, Christopher Nolan's worlds and stuff like that Yeah. so I guess as of right now like what I'm trying to examine is just like Finding the largeness within the small space, and like finding largeness within like intimacy, and that's why I, I am really proud of Salt because it, it I feel like it captured intimacy in the way that I've been trying to like with all my movies and stuff like that, but I just couldn't figure it out, um, or like I just didn't have the ideology and I just didn't have the skill set to to do it yet, um, and so so yeah, I think I still want to keep. Like, I just love, like, small productions. I just love, like, like, the crew, the cast and crew was, like, no more than, like, ten people. Um, 
at a given time, it was like maybe like four of us. So I, I, I so I just love that process of making movies. So I would, I think I want to still continue to have very small casts and very small like spaces that feel very intimate and feel very, um, I guess, just kind of lonely. But it, but that feeling feels so large and like so cosmic, almost, um, and so like so self-contained, which I like a lot. Um, which was like like salt like feels so self-contained. The moments where it's like again, it's like this is something I can't really explain. I don't know if like even came across because of like just like acid and stuff like that. So it's like if you like have tripped and like like gotten like so high or something like that some like what happens sometimes like it feels the world doesn't like like sometimes i feel like i could be on earth and it would be so easy for me to like jump to the moon is how self-contained like things go um on my side and stuff like that and in my experience like just like how it how everything feels so one like you feel like that oneness with everything and so I guess I try to capture that visually um, in my movies. Like, like sometimes it's just like some scenes just feel so like like they're not even like in within reality. And I kind of like following that idea because it's like if like let's say like we were in space, the vastness of space, but it's just like you and I like in this small like ship in space. It's like we're in a greater thing. But we're still self-contained because we can only perceive what's in front of us, which is like you and I. And so so it's inherently intimate. And it's like the same thing of like being in a room with someone. It's like you're in this room with someone, but there's a town that's around this room, and then there's a city that's around this room, and then there's like a state that's around this room, there's a country that's around this room, and there's a world that's around this room, and then it's like the ever expanding solar system universe that's around this room. But it doesn't matter how big everything else is, because you're it's you're sharing what could be perceived as a small moment with someone else, which is in its <laughs> in itself inherently like so large. I don't know. I guess it's like I guess I'm like just trying to figure out what it means and like capture like what it means to to equate intimacy with the with the, the smallest of intimacy with the largeness of like the universe, I guess. It's so crazy when you think about that. It's almost like you're taking an entire planet and like just compacting it all into like one single cube right there. Right, exactly. And com- compartmentalizing like all those things, right? Yeah. Do you ever worry that in some cases, like when your character is like isn't part of the small world, that it might like just explode and then the world will get like like bigger than you expected it to? Or it'll be more questions and answers that you won't be able to have the answer to? Yeah. Oh, and, and, and that's so funny you asked that because, like, that was the crisis that I was going Because I was going through so many changes when I was <laughs> tripping all the time. And, like, I, 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 I guess I didn't realize how much of my life and thoughts were dedicated to just figuring out, like, what it all means. Like, even when I was younger, like, I spent a lot of time as... I spent a lot of time alone, like growing up as a child. So I was always just thinking about my life, like that. Like I've been severely, very suicidal, and, like had attempts and stuff like that. Wow. And so, like, right, which is like I'm good now, but it's like um, it's just interesting to have faced that. Like, like no one really talks about the existential crisis that comes from after attempting, um, like attempting to take your own life and stuff like that. And like, and like, but that spiral, and like the spiral of having survived, like having been someone who was gonna die but like didn't die, um, and just like how that um, kind of just like I don't know, I guess it, it really like like just to like what you said, like I've like experienced that, like it, it it's so like it's it's just, it's just kind of just like so sad to be like so small sometimes, I guess. And like, and so like I like it, it's like how could you make yourself like not feel that way? And I and I feel like art 
um, and movie specifically like does that for me or just like I don't know expressing like it's like like to, to, to really express just feels like so powerful and so insane because not really other animals can like make movies and like can make art and stuff like that and so it's just like that's just like so weird that like if there were no limitations on us like how much we could do as people like as brains and stuff like that yeah like how much like i don't know it's like it's like when like doing drugs it's like i feel fully like unlocked and it's like so interesting to feel that way because like that euphoria is just like like so insane and so like the the serotonin drop like after it is so also just as big as euphoria so it's like you so now it's like after feeling so big now i feel like so small um and so like that's what i also try to capture like salt because he comes in like fighting and then he gets so like more subdued and everything and then like he fights again and then he goes he, he regresses back and tries to leave and then like it just happens like again and again it's like this constant loop of just like trying to like free yourself but it's like what are you even freeing freeing yourself from you know? so so much to think about on that yeah, it's too much to think about yeah i guess so so uh one more quote the anais nin she's a diarist and a erotic author has stated that we write to live life twice in the moment and in retrospect so, I, so you see, you can definitely see that applying to you when writing this film, can't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like literally, because usually when I write a script, I usually like I sit on an idea for like, really quite quite some time. Like I'm always formulating stuff, um, and it was easy to do that in the structure of school because I know when I'm going to make a film, which is like pretty much like every other semester. And so, like right after a film is done. After I experienced like something so large in my life or something like that, I like it don't necessarily do it on purpose either, but it's like I'm just like formulating like a story, and I find myself doing that, and so like I try to get the visual language, get like what I'm trying to get at in my head before I write the script down. Like I don't really write and then go back and like write. You know what I mean? Like I don't write. I don't figure it out in the on on the page. So I usually just like will spend like all day to like I'm like so tired like it's like really bad because then I like wouldn't pee or eat or anything like that and I'll just bust out like a full script um and then like go to sleep and just wake up and like read it again and just be like wow this is kind of crazy that like I wrote this like I didn't really understand what I was writing and then just editing it and everything like that so like that quote is like so it's so real because um life is also like you don't know what you know Till after the fact, and you don't know what you don't know to after the fact, also. And it's like, also, literally, we perceive um, light and, and space and time in retrospect, which is so weird. Like, like, like we don't see technically in real time because light has to reflect from our eyes, and like, it takes a moment for our brain to process and everything like that. But like, even though it's fast, it's like it's still not in real time, and so we are just always living in the future. And so like, I feel like that's why like the past feels so like, so confusing, like, so what the fuck? Because it's like, when would that have happened? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like the present is not really truly ever the present, but like all the moments before the present, which is just the future is the past. So, but it's gone. So like, it's like not tangible. And so like, I guess like just learning that has like, really like change my life or just like really like perceiving life in that way um because it's like my thoughts like jump all over the place like i'll think of things like in the future like i know like i know roughly like how my day is going to be after like i finish like talking to you and stuff like that so it's like sometimes i find myself like thinking about what that would even mean but it's like it's literally impossible to really like predict the true like outcome and so like i guess with like writing it it I guess, like, the control of writing is just nice. Um, because it's like I could live my life through all these characters and it would really feel like I experienced that. And it was so weird because, like, <laughs> we all wore white um, while we were shooting, like, the cast and crew. And we had to, like, sneak around and stuff like that. So just, like, the school. 
the Colby policy and just like this program didn't know I was making this film. So so it's like we kind of were living the movie and that was just like a really strange thing to <laughs> experience. Um, because while I'm simultaneously trying to free myself from purchase, so was these characters that I wrote. But they got free before me. But then like they couldn't truly be free until like I was free as a writer. And yeah. I don't know, I just literally just went on a tangent. I don't know if that made any sense, but uh, I agree with her quote. Yeah, it's, it's a great quote. She's a good writer. I definitely recommend uh, her diaries. Ooh, okay, I'm gonna All right, so I really want to go into another interesting note: the the black protagonist. You see, a lot of a lot of movies and TV shows nowadays have tried to, you know, basically cash in on the experiences and the mindset of uh, of the black protagonist. But uh, I know you've seen a lot of them in your experience. What is something a lot of films might misunderstand or misinterpret about the black protagonist? I think I think movies in general fail when it becomes about the visual face value. Like the face value of the visuals, which is like when you see me like you automatically be like, oh a black man. But then it's like there's there's just more there's more context in that. And I guess like movies traditionally with like black men characters or even like a, a, a woman character, it, it it's always about um, just that. Which is like Salt was about that, but it wasn't just about that because it's like if, it's like if you if you like let's say I'm gonna make a black movie that if you to make like black protagonist um I don't know like Inception super random but like let's say like Leo was like was black the movie would still read the same like it would still be like this guy is trying to get um, his kids back and like he is he goes into dreams and stuff like that. But the context of him being black would just inherently be there. And so I guess for me, I don't feel like, well, I am black, so it's like more complex than that. But I guess like for, for people in movies who want to write a character that is other than them, I think they generally fail because they're trying to be that character, like they're trying to be in the shoes of that character, as opposed to just writing a good, honest character, an honest person, and then just letting the actor like bring that context there. You know what I mean? It's like, um, like initially, like I wasn't writing Logan. I wasn't like Logan's a woman, so I'm gonna write her as a woman, or I'm gonna write her as like, I don't know, like how just like the the bare minimum of like how we perceive like women in society and stuff like that. Um, and so or like is how women are like in media and like and 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 film and stuff like that. But it's like if I was to write but like I feel like the approach should be to write like a really honest, like full character that has conflicts outside of their race and gender. Because we do, like everyone has like not all like not everything has to do with our race and gender. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like when you deal with death, like you deal with death. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like death is like is death is like the great equalizer or like just like what it means to like look at a tree or something like that or like experience birds flying, like you can't fly, like no matter like who you are, like you just cannot you can't fly. Um you're always trapped within the universe if you're white, black or male or or anything like that. <laughs> and so like the context of that will always be there. As long as like the actors like bring that, I guess. So it's like I guess so like this is so confusing because it's something I'm still like trying to like, formulate. Um, so I, I guess it's just like I think like the black protagonist like has just became just that like the black protagonist as opposed to just the protagonist who then happens to be black. You know what I mean? Um, this was like Tenet was like really interesting because Christian Nolan never like 
like it's like his first like um, protagonist that wasn't like a white man. Yeah, and, and he did a good job because you know we didn't even care that he was black or right. Exactly, and it's also just it's so interesting because it's also like a representation of like society now and everything like that. Um, but not like a mirror of that. But it's like right, like we didn't like it didn't matter that he was black. Like in, in terms of like face value and like like the conflict of the film, but. But, um, why can't I remember? What's his name? Washington? Uh, John, John David Washington. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, this Washington. Um, yeah. John David Washington, like, because he is a black man, like, he consciously or subconsciously, like, brought that context and that conflict already there. So it's like, you're, like, you can't help but read it because one, he's, like, only, also the only black person in the whole movie. So it's like, it's just like it doesn't need to be hammered on, I guess, because we all know, like we just all, know, you know what I mean, like or like like we should be under, we should have already understand like what that context is, because then it's like how did he even become a spy? Like, I wonder what his life is um, to to be in the position that he's in. Like, like he's mad, right? He didn't even have a name, really. Yeah, he didn't have a name, which is like just so interesting. So it's like, you, so it's like you could read him as like literally just the black protagonist because he was the protagonist, or you could read him as the protagonist who happens to be black. And I just think that's just like really interesting. But I hate like watching stuff where it's like, ah, the struggle is that, like the struggle is that I'm just black, or like that I'm just something other than a white man. Because then it kind of makes it like it's always relative to. The white man, um, which I guess I feel like a hypocrite because that's what salt is kind of about, but like also like not really. But so yeah, I don't know. I guess like I guess for my next book, I'm gonna try to just like also kind of follow like what I just said. <laughs> but then it's weird because I'm like I'm a black person, and so like but but like talking about this and like reading about representation, like it always feels like I'm not doing a good job, <laughs> which is so strange. Like I'm, like I guess I feel like a, a bad black filmmaker, like a bad black person, because my movies aren't what quote unquote like they should be. But what if you were doing? But what if? Interesting. Like, what if you were doing it like the way it should have been should be done? Because think about all the characters who in um in films who are like emphasizing like you know I'm black and this and that and emphasize like sort of thing. It comes. Don't you think? Don't you think it starts to be a bit exhausting when the character says like, emphasize again, again, I'm black. This is our struggle. This is our thing, and here mm-hmm. I am fighting back. Because mm-hmm. one of the biggest, one of the biggest moments was like in the ending scene of you ever seen like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yeah, and he gave that lecture. Yeah, he gave that whole speech. Like, bro, was, but we already understood that context. Like, he could have just like it would have been more powerful if he simply like just got there and just like stopped. Like, if he just saved the day as as Falcon, like, picked up the shield and was just, like, I'm Captain America or whatever, as opposed to giving, like, a whole speech, like, what the fuck, we already do that. But then it's, like, but that's why, like, film and pop culture is so interesting, because, like, I don't have the limitation of having to make something for the mass public. So, like, there's people, like, kids who watch Richard Falcon, and, like, they don't understand the nuances of race and, and politics and gender and everything. So, I guess, like, they have to be spoon-fed. And then for the people who don't, who are willfully ignorant, but like want to partake in Marvel stuff, they also have to be spoon fed. So I don't know. It's it's I don't. Know. It's just interesting. It's, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, one of the things. Now going back to your film and uh, with your cast and crew, I think one of the most uh, touching things I saw was when you gave such public support to. The actress, uh, Shoban uh, Kiernan? Yeah, yeah, Shoban Kiernan, yeah. Shoban Kiernan. And it was, you know, it was really hard one to see, like, you know, the appreciation you had for her. I just wanted to know, like, wh- what is it you're always looking for when you are picking the people to work with and people to think? Because I've noticed, I read, I saw in your, your video with the Fellowship Initiative how you were, you, like, felt really strongly afterwards about the sense of, like, community and, camaraderie mm-hmm. so would that be perhaps what is it you're looking for um i guess this is 
like on a grand idealistic way i'm just looking for peace <laughs> like inner peace and like just peace in the world um like it's just because i was just thinking about it because i was just like watching videos of russia and ukraine and like how it feels so like for me like how i feel so just kind of numb and like how like remembering being like so young like i'm a vegetarian having cho- chose to be vegetarian at seven years old because I just didn't like the idea that we could eat animals because <laughs> I had like pets and stuff like that. It's like I wouldn't eat them and like just that sensitivity or whatever. Um, and so, like I said before, like I also like grew up, like I'm the, the youngest child of like a super old family. Like, that. like my siblings were like in the dirty families, old and like boomers and everything. <laughs> um, so, but I also had the privilege of Growing up in a matriarch, um, like most, like literally like eighty percent of my family just women. I grew up a uh, single mom and everything, so I had a lot of time alone to myself to just kind of assess myself and like life, and, like what it. Like I guess I had the 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 privilege. Like it's like a double edged sword, but I guess it's like I had the privilege of creating my own sense of like self and like I guess morals and principles um and so like right now like that to me like it has just grown to be like just community based because it's like it just makes more sense that way also um so it's like like with odd bad friends it's just like my goal is always just to then like literally just have like kind of like a support group but it's like for art and for life you know what I mean and like um I guess it's like I find myself like just wanting like that sense of family, community, because I just didn't have to grow up, like, straight up. <laughs> um, and so, with casting and, and, and stuff like that, it's, like, I never really, like, auditioned, like, I never really, um, like, I never, like, wrote a script and was, like, I need to cast this. So, it's, like, with Salt, like, I knew who I was already working with, just because of access, and, like, um, Siobhan, specifically, like, she worked with me with everything since I've been here. Um, and so, like, I wanted to write a, 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 a swan song, and I wanted, um, like, I don't know, I see film, like, as, as, as gifts, too. Like, I make, like, all my movies are specific to someone. Um, and so, like, Salt was also specific to Siobhan in the sense that I just wanted her to, like, really, I wanted her and I wanted, like, me and us to, like, really, like, snap and, like, show our, like, full potential. Um, and so, like, I was really, like, dedicated to, like, writing, like, a really good story. For her, like for her real, like just for just for her because she did so much for me and stuff like that. And so I just wanted to like really fully give her the chance to just like I don't know, like she's always awesome, but like I guess like just be like even like more awesome, just like have like more freedom as an actor and like as a character and stuff like that. Um, and so like with that, can only have been able to do that with and be able to like go about it that way by having worked with her before and being friends with her and stuff like that. And so like stuff like that is like why I like, really appreciate community because it makes it not only does it make the process so much easier, but it also like I don't know, it's like being in a relationship. <laughs> and I always say this, like when if you sign on to like a like a movie with me or whatever, like you're also like <laughs> you're also like in a relationship with me. Not in like the sense of like a like a dating relationship, but like it's like I guess I'm like a needy director, in the sense of like, like I wanna, like now we're in this world, for like whatever the time frame is, and like I like really need you to like step in um, to this world and like this thought process um, with me, and like it would be hard to do that with people I, I don't know, and so like I kind of just like the idea of like growing with someone and like just growing with people and like following. Just trying to figure out what the world means. And it's like, if I was to do that with like new people, like every movie, then it's like, I feel like it wouldn't, I feel like I would be starting from zero, which sounds like so ridiculous. But it's like, I guess it's like, Siobhan, like Dante, like Romy and everyone, like they understand the context of, um, of me and like what I'm trying to do. And so like, if I didn't have that community, it would be really hard for me to express myself. Because um, it's already, but like since now knowing that there's already people who 
are helping me express myself in this way. Yeah, really. And Kanye just makes himself. Like, Salt was written only be- because of everyone I wanted to work with. So I had to make a movie that made sense with the cast and also didn't. Like, it was just meaningful. You know what I mean? And, like, it was actually, like, because I could have, like, wrote anything, but, like, like, we still have been, like, in, like, that context of, like, why is Dante, like, the only black character in this and stuff like that? Or, like, the only actor. Um, and so, like, I didn't want that to be a distraction. So I, like, wrote this movie sort of, like, as a... Like, to me, like, the script is, like, the only way the movie could have existed. You know what I mean? But, sorry, I literally bounced around. So, so yeah. So, yeah, Salt. So that's really, like, allowing Chauvin's to like really flex your creative muscles. That was kind of like your way of saying thank you for all the support. Right. Know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. And like the the ending shot of like when they're in the car and everything was kind of just like our swan song, just like leaving purchase because we like started because um, a friend connected us um, before purchase. Like someone to this with, um, connected us and was like, "Yo, my friend who I grew up with is like going to purchase," and she asked, "So like, that should like hang out and be friends?" And like that's what we like. What happened, and also it wouldn't have like sat right with me <laughs> if I was like to make a senior film like lead. Like I guess I don't know. I'm I'm just very like sentimental in that in that way, and so like I really it was important for me to work with Savon, like quote unquote one last time at first. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Thank you. So wow. So, all right. So that wraps up. Our first episode of the upcoming. I want to give a huge, huge thank you to Ezekiel Claire. Thank you so much for coming on and giving us your incredible insight. Thank you. So, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for the next episode of the upcoming, and we will all catch you again soon. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in to the upcoming. If you like this, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore upcoming podcast. Best yet to come. Take care, everybody.